On this episode of A State of Control, we continue the conversation about what it takes to get a project done. How do we have those conversations? What goes into really making sure that we reach the finish line? And how important is it to have skills outside of the technical nature of what we do? All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A State of Control. A State of Control, Episode 78, Chunks of Done. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the control, programming, and automation aspects of the AV industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So today's show is a little bit special. We're going to be continuing the conversation we had in our last show. So in case you missed it, uh, tune in to episode 77 uh, called Done and Done. Or uh, And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about what it takes to get a project done. And with me to have that conversation are two familiar guests, and I'll introduce them after I say hi to my partner here at Estate of Control, none other than Rich Fergosa. How are you, Rich? Doing good. Mellow West Coast greetings, man. It's, it's, I'm telling you, last time we got the band together, this is like, uh, this is like we had Van Halen, now we got Van Hagar, you know, they're both equally good, you know, so you just, you know, it's just, it's just the whole big band's coming together. Absolutely. It's like a reunion tour. <laughs> Uh, ne- next, we have two guests that have never been on the show together, but they've both frequent the, the, the show. And I'll tell you why I know that, because they both share the same last name, but are n- unrelated. First, I'll say hi to Bernard Morgan, who was on our last show from ICS Plus. How are you, Bernard? Doing well and glad to be back. Thanks for being here. And last but not least, uh, we welcome back Troy Morgan from Pantech Design. How are you, Troy? Doing well. Happy to be here. These are always fun. <laughs> we enjoy having you. So, you know, as I mentioned last time, we talked about what it takes to get projects done. And uh, we really had some great conversation. And that's why we're continuing the discussion, because we got a lot of good advice and insight, how to prevent problems, some ways that you can use your experience and expertise outside almost of the, the technical nature to, to navigate through trouble spots and, and really make good decisions to try to get projects done in an efficient and, and a productive manner. And, and uh, as we said before, uh, one of those goals is also to get paid. Um, so Rich, let, let's take this from another angle. One of the things we didn't really dive into as much is what happens when you're in a tough spot? What happens when you're at somebody else's mercy and you, you need to get a project done, but the, you know we're all like smaller pieces in this bigger puzzle. A lot of times construction projects are, are just, we're just small companies working with, with much bigger companies. So, so how, do, how do we exert our influence and, and get, help ourselves to, to get to that finish line? Well, you know, I, 
I think that you have to consider whether you're newer in the industry or whether you're more established in the industry. And the toughest part and the hardest thing to learn is experience. You only get experience from being in the middle of it. And so when you're starting out, you'll, know, you'll get your gut feelings when things are about to go off the rail. You just don't have the experience to act on it. And so I think the most important part is being able to spot the flags, not only on the project, but also in your capabilities. And, and you know, I'm, I'm finding as I've constantly learning and maturing in the industry, um, where I'm focusing more is my blind spots. And a lot of times where you fall into trouble in a company on a project is not the project blind spots, it's your blind spots as a company and your execution. And it all comes down to process. And you know, the, the, there are two great guests on here um, who focus on process in the beginning. And, and you know, one from developing a product and the other from supporting a project. And you know, I'm on the other side, you know, and, and on the resi side and in dealing in bespoke, um, as much as I'd wish every project to be the same, I'm constantly dealing with personalities uh, more often than not. And so depending on where your focus is um, and, and the type of industry that you're supporting, you have to learn the psychology of a project. And, and each project, um, whether it's commercial, education, government, residential, they're their very own organisms. And once you start to learn the biology of a project and, and, and work with it, and then build the experience on it, then you can start seeing things that are happening beforehand. But you know, I, if, if I had that complete answer, <laughs> you know, I'd probably be in a different industry, I think. Uh, but, and, and honestly, flexibility and willingness. And it's silly, but you gotta be able to approach a project with, with happiness and joy, even when you're in the weeds, um, because your counterparts are gonna pick up on that. And if they feel that you are approaching a problem with resistance, as opposed to approaching a problem with solutions. Um, you know, there's always the saying that, that in a dialogue, it's, it's both parties being open to one another. And what happens is if you're not open um, in a project, they'll feel that and, and you'll, they'll feel that resistance and then it just starts escalating. And so the biggest thing is learning how to de-escalate the entire situation first because once you de-escalate then they'll hear you uh but if they're not going to hear you um that that that's where the issues come from and i we've i've always had a saying when 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 i i work with integrators and i work with other programmers is that and i ask them a question and the first thing that i ask them is you've got two choices do you want to be right or do you want to be heard and you've got to make that decision right now. And once you make that decision, then that is going to determine the outcome of the situation. Well, I think another thing there, Rich, to add on to that, I think it's learning how to say no is hard. And it, it took me a long time to realize to say, okay, 
the best interest is to say no. And I know there was a project we did with a gentleman on the phone here about 10 years ago that something landed in our lap and it took me to say, there's no way we could do this, but I had to bring a solution to the table and just not say no. And the solution was you need to bring two independents in to finish this, finish this project. And Troy and I happened to have to be both on that project. When we looked at the project and said, there's no way with that timeline that someone can get this job done. So if we didn't step in there and say, no, this, this is not realistic. We would just get caught inside the blender of the project and being able to get everyone out of the project with a successful outcome. So I think, you know, that was the hardest thing to kind of tag on to yourself with the experiences, know how to say no, but also come back with some type of solution. Yeah, I think to, to touch on what both of you said and, and sort of tie it all together, um, it's experience that gives you the ability or the confidence to be able to say no. Um, and I don't know that you're really saying no. I think what, what we're sort of back to what, what Rich was saying is that you, you, can, you can be a positive influence on the situation and instead of putting your foot down and, and you know yelling and screaming and getting angry or whatever and saying no, 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 what you have to be able to do is say, not quite the way, but if we do this, then we can get close to achieving, uh, achieving the goal. And I think, especially when you're new in any industry, um, you, have, you have sort of two types of people. Uh, you have people that are, uh, that are humble and confident at the same time. And then you have people that are not so humble at all and uh, don't know what they're doing and have no problem pretending like they do. And for me personally, and as many projects as I've been on, I look for those two dynamics because it's typically the guys that are out there talking a lot and sort of throwing their weight around that don't really know what's going on. And it's the ones that are the quiet ones paying attention and staying focused and being positive about whatever the situation is that you really want to sort of rally around and work with and be a, have them sort of be a part of the team that's actually going to make it happen. And it's experience that teaches you these things, really, what to look for and, and how to sort of stay out of the mess, if you will. So there's a lot to unpack there. That gets into a lot of philosophical things. And, you know, but at the end of the day, it's, it's people doing business with people. And there's character uh, traits involved, both good and bad. And you have to deal with those, too in order to be able to move a project forward in a positive manner. So, so let, let's talk about that a little bit more because you know, I think that that's a really good point and it's often overlooked in the fact that you know, we're, we're looked at as being this highly technical industry and people hire us because of our technical expertise, but it sounds like there's as much value in knowing the business side and knowing also the you know, project management and how to interface with people. Um, Bernard, I'll, I'll, I'll let you chime in because I know that you and I um, have experienced situations like this as well, just like you mentioned with, with Troy um, and, and Rich touched on processes. How important 
um, is that in trying in, in working through these situations. And, and, and I think one of the things that I, I also, I know it's not good to ask a two-part question, but, but it, you know, it, it, I think that it comes in, in enlightening people as to the value that we can bring, but also the respect that we need to be able to do our job. So I, I think one of the challenges that we have is that we develop something that no one can see until it's almost a finished project, a finished product. And I think if, in, if you're you know, building a building, you would never frame the walls before the slab is in place, right? Before the foundation is poured. And I think that's what happens in a lot of the projects we work on because phys- people can't physically see us, the progress or what we're delivering at this time, or what we're working on. It's almost a leap of faith on their side, but we have to be able to communicate that and ensure them that we have checks and balances and processes in place to meet this deadline or meet this deliverable. And I think when people can't physically see that as the project is moving forward, it's really hard for people to conceptualize that. In a typical construction project, they put the slab down, the foundation, they put the walls up, they frame the walls, they can see progress. But what we do sometimes, that they can't physically see it. And at the same time, their first response is to throw more people at it. But sometimes you can have too many cooks in the kitchen. And that just once again comes back to process at the beginning of a project, explaining what the uh, milestones are, taking the time to explain, this is how long I need to get to between point A and point B, and this is what I need, but also talk about critical path items where in order for me to move forward, I need these items in place and explain why. And I think if we can get to a point where you can communicate that and say, hey, I understand that you need this room done over here first, but if the, but if the network closet's not up, there's nothing I can do in that room. And being able to express that instead of, once again, just saying no, but being able to explain it and find a reason behind, uh, find a, a solution. A lot of times you have a lot of things, a lot of these come out of projects, uh, priority changes, uh, schedule changes. And if we don't get that information early enough, or we're not proactive to get that information, you get into those situations now because of a we need these floors before we need the other floors or these rooms before we need the rooms over here. There was a priority shift in the project, but it's incumbent on them to tell us, but it's also incumbent on us to ask frequently as well. If you're on a project and you haven't heard anything in over a month, you may want to kind of, hey, guys, are we still on track? Because guaranteed in four weeks in our industry, something has changed. Guaranteed. So... Um... Let, let, let's let's say I go a little bit further. Um, when you're in a, a, a situation, uh, Troy, I'll, I'll uh, bring you in on this. You know, and and you and you kind of feel like your hands are tied, or or you're 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 having trouble getting people to respond. You know, are there any techniques or or tips or any? Uh, you know, the, the you know obviously one option is to to pull out or to you know, stamp your feet. And, you know, Rich mentioned too, you know, you, you don't want to say no, but you want to say, let's do this. You know, what, what are some of the things that, that you have seen to work um, that, that might help some, some others as well? Yeah. So first let me answer that with um, a book. Um, there is a book that I read early on in my business uh, career called Crucial Conversations. This book was a fundamental 
for me in terms of dealing with adversity, but, uh, but also, you know, when things are good, right. It's, and, and there's, so there's, there's a few key things. The whole book is fantastic. There's some takeaways that have always stuck with me. Very first one is start with a results statement. Every conversation you get into, um, know what you're, what you're looking for the end result to be. Um, and, and if you focus, so the second part to that is to focus on uh, all parties involved. So looking for a positive result for all parties involved, stating that up front before you have to dive into maybe some of the difficulty of things. And sort of like what Bernard was saying, you know, I, I can't get to this unless this is done. I know you want this done right now, but I can't do it unless this is done. Something like that would yield a, a conversation starter like, um, so obviously the focus and goal is to get this room completed. And that's what we wanna be driving towards. And I'm here to discuss with you how we're gonna get that done. You know, and so it, it's it, it's sort of basic, but it's not. These are these are tools that, that take uh, honing uh, and sharpening um, just like any other uh, skill. And I truly believe that that's been one of the, the pivotal things in my personal career that's helped me get in and out of projects with, without being looked at as a negative person that you would never want on another project of yours again kind of a thing. You know, it's more of a positive approach to a challenge and not seeing it as a, as a, as a, negative, um, a negative problem, right? So that's just one small thing, but for me, that's, that's a big one. Rich, um, you know, one of the things, and, and thank you, Troy, that, cause I actually have that book too. And I, and I, uh, I, I can, can relate there. Um, you know, well, Rich, one of the, um, the things that also tends to get people hung up is, is when projects start to get messy and you start to, 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 you know, one, uh, see the scope vary, but, but two, you start to get the additional requests. And sometimes those trying to address those stands in the way of getting the project done. Um, what, what, what are some ways or what are, what, what, how do you deal with those situations? Cause it's, it, it's actually, I think an, an advanced technique, you know, and, and something that you're know, speaking to the value of experience. I think you really need that because it, it can really throw you for a loop. Yeah. I mean, what, what Troy was talking about with the book was um, kind of goes back to what I was talking about, about blind spots, right? It was the book is a how to on to deescalate, right. Um, and, and how to, approach a problem in a positive and productive manner. So you've got to figure that on a project, okay, there's going to be three distinct hats you're going to wear during the course of a project, okay? You're going to have your sales and expectation management hat at some point. you got to sell yourself on the job. Um, you've got to be able to sell them on what you're going to deliver. You get the job. The next section is gonna be your project management hat. And that's gonna be the coordination, the documentation, the communication, uh, you know, facilitation, timelines, all of the things that are part of 
getting the you know the blueprint for the ship and then finally after that you've got the third hat that you wear which is the technical side the programming side so this goes back to what i was talking about about blind spots right depending on how your organization is built whether you're a large organization and you have programmers and project managers and salespeople and uh, account uh, managers, you're going to divvy that up between the people who are best suited for the project. Now, if you're a smaller company like mine, I do all three, uh, you know, and, and depending on where the project is, that hat's flipping. But again, 30 years of experience, you know, my background started in sales and design, and then I became a programmer by default. So if you're a business owner, you have to really, really, really look at your blind spots. Because if you let one of those three hats drop, that's when you get in trouble. Because they're all intertwined on a project, especially as a business owner. If you don't sell the project correctly, you underbid. <laughs> so now you're finding out when you're in the middle of it that based on timelines and other projects or the way you overcommitted yourself, you know, or other projects, you know, you're not charging enough and now you're going to be upside down and you might not have the best attitude going in. Conversely, if you get into a project and you don't plan correctly and you double book yourself or you don't look at a realistic timeline on what it takes to bring the project, even though they tell you it's going to, they'll be ready for you in two weeks and you know, based on your experience and you just looked at that site, I'm like, I'm not going to see them for two months. You have to be able to use that experience. But the, and then the third part's the programming side. And you still need the technical part in order to get things done. Programmers, you know, and again, we've all had this. It doesn't matter what your skill set is. When you come in, you're the programmer. So the first, and we've always talked about this, about, about that whole identity crisis that occurs, right? You're seen as just the geeky guy tapping at the computer, you know, like, in, you know, eating Pop-Tarts and, and, you know, looking around and looking for photos and, ah, I figured out the password, how to get into this database, you know? I mean, all the cheesy cliches of, you know, we're not hackers, but that first concept comes in, right? Like you're the guy, you know, you're the hacker guy coming in to do stuff. It is part, it is what we do, but it is part of what we do. And, you know, there are lots more talented programmers out there than me. My success came from being able to say what I'm going to do, do what I'm going to say, get in and get out. Uh, because at the end of the day, they don't care about the technical side of what we do. They just want the result. So again, I mean, like I said, for, for, for me, it's, and I'm finding, and we call this, you know, passing that tribal knowledge, be, be, absolutely brutal with your blind spots you know brutal with them and then make that choice either you want to develop them and if not and you're honest about it then you partner you collaborate you bring in others and just like in Troy and Bernard were saying at that point it's okay to say nah I, I can't do this alone not I can't do this I can't do it alone and then you build from there and then and, and that's exactly what Troy was talking about too which is you know you 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 then become an integral part of the project you become that solution based partner in it and when you do have difficult personalities on a project because you will 
you're then seen as the one as the voice of reason. And, and I think that, I mean, all four of us are, 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 are business owners here. I think that's been our long-term secret of success is to be able to say, hey, you know, we're here to help you. We're not here to tell you, I told you so. We're not here to stamp our feet. We may get frustrated. There may be other ways to do it, but in the end, we are here to serve. And, and you know, it, it's, it's coming from that place. And I think if you, if you look at your organization and your, your culture as a place of service, then you can go, okay. Um, and like Bernard said, be willing to say, I'm not saying no, I'm saying not the way you are seeing it. And then go on from there. So I, I think what you said is very relatable, and I'm sure we could all uh, say that we've been in that situation because I can't imagine only wearing one hat um, for the size company that we are, or you know, or any most small companies. Um, so I think those are points very well taken. Um, uh, Bernard, you know, talk a little bit about that because I know that you and I have had these conversations and in in needing to kind of be good cop and bad cop, you know, and, and, and what, what, what that, that, what, what inner conflict that, that tends, tends to, uh, to provoke. Yeah. I think to kind of echo something Rich said though, I think we always in a difficult situation first, if we make a mistake, we need to own it. Right. So there's been plenty of times when a project or something happens and we made a mistake. We just gotta, we have to own it and then talk about solutions to resolve it. And I think as programmers, I think we are so easy to jump into the technical first and try to resolve the technical without talking about the logistics or communicating it. We just try to say, okay, I'll just double down and make that issue go away, but not tell anybody you're dealing with an issue. And I think that's one of the issues that, that one of the problems that we, the systemic and programmers, because at the end of the day, we're probably as Richard said several times, we cut the lights off, right? We're the last ones out the door. And in the process of doing it, we end up inheriting or taking on some things that we need to do, but no one knew that problem was there. So we never communicated that this was here. Instead, we took the extra three or four hours just to address it and make it go away. But in the process of doing it, we may have missed the deadline. We may have taken on too much scope because we never communicated that issue. Because once again, we are always so involved with the technical. When a programmer gets to the job site, the first thing they do is open their laptop or whatever and start just going at it instead of saying, hey, let's walk the job site first. Let me get my bearings. Let me get my feet wet. Let's talk about are we still on task? Open, open a laptop and just start banging away. And I think that's probably to goes back to a couple of things Troy and Rich says about the blind spot. We're the most comfortable on the technical side, but we need to handle the logistical side first so we can do the technical side next. And I think that's kind of goes hand in hand what everyone's talking about here. So we're, 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 we're kind of getting close to, to winding up and I, I want to give um, Troy a uh, chance to chime in on this. Um, 
you know, we, we talked about ha, you know ha, having to have those difficult conversations, or we talked about you know ha, having to to manage situations and 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 work through some things. Um, the 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 idea that we um, are also trying to get the next opportunity comes into play here, and you know, and and, and so so. It, you know, I, I think a lot of these things tend to provide like kind of inner, inner conflict, you know, so, um, you know, to talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, working through that so that you can have the client doesn't think that you're just trying to finish so that you, you can be on, on your way and they're never going to see you again. Well, so two things with that. First, um, uh, that's one of the hardest things I think I've had to learn is how to uh, how to give the client uh, the greatest feeling about the fact that um, we're nearing the end or we're getting done and, and I'm going to be moving on, but I'm not going to be gone, right? Like, you know, and, and I think that comes, that sort of comes back to these result statement type things, how you operate uh, on on site, what your communication is like, are you keeping them up to date? Are you willing to air out your goof? You know, one of the fastest ways to get people to become comfortable with you is to become human and say, "Man, I totally messed that up." Um, and but but positive in moving forward and 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 not focusing on. Uh, the past or even the present. It's more about how, how do we, how do we get past it? Like, what do we do to, to move forward and, you know, letting the client know that, you know, you're aware and you're on top of it and, and you're, you're going to do what it takes to continue on. But that inner conflict is something that I don't know that you ever solve or fix uh, because far too often you're going to find yourself having to do things that you don't want to do but because you believe that that's the best thing for all parties involved. It may, it may hurt you just a, just a tad, uh, may not feel right. Um, and I'm not saying to go against your, your morals and ethics. This is not what I'm, what I'm talking about. But what I am trying to say is that it may feel uh, better for you if you wouldn't choose to do X, Y, or Z, but X, Y, or Z does help everybody. And I think that's probably one of the best ways to get asked to come back on the next project. Staying positive, focused on the goal of completion. Um, and, 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 you know, Bernard mentioned this earlier, these milestones, you know, the clients see done as the end, the very end, when the lights are, you know, <laughs> we're turning the lights off type thing. That's when they say, that's their done. We've got so many dones in between that matter and that we have to care about. I think one of the best ways to, to see, to give positive reinforcement to a team, a project and all parties involved is to have these done steps that we can sort of all reflect on, know that this piece is complete and we're moving on to the next done thing. So it's nice to have this big scope, but in my opinion, and something I've learned uh, more recently than, than, than not, is uh, chunks of done are, are a great way to uh, create positive momentum, um, have stop gaps for 
weird things that occur and whatever. And um, uh, also gives you the ability to, to sort of let clients know that you are completing things that are unobtainium to them or that they can't see, you know, it's, it's like, like uh, the guys are saying, we you can't see what we do sometimes only see the end. So yeah, I like that's the that. little bit that I could add. It's a good, good, positive way to end. So chunks of done. I like that. I'm, I'm stealing that. I am definitely <laughs> stealing that one. <laughs> or, or we use it. We're always in a race, but sometimes you got to take a pit stop. Uh huh. Yeah, and know and know that you should, and it's okay. Yeah. So progress milestones, right? Um, so, as I said in the last uh, uh, podcast. This conversation probably will never be done, but for today, we're going to leave it at that. Um, I'd like to thank you guys for being part of it and great conversation as always. Uh, first, Bernard Morgan from ICS Plus, thanks for being here. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about your company? I think the best place to go to is the website, icspluslonline.com. Great. And uh, Troy Morgan, thanks for being back with us. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about Pantech Design? Website's probably the best spot, pantechdesign.com, but you can obviously find us out there on the interwebs and social media too. And i um, happy to help you in any way we can. Thanks. And last but not least, uh, Uncle Richie, thanks uh, for another great show. How can people get in touch with you and uh, anything else that you want to share? Well, first, I'm going to say that Troy's being a little modest. Not only does he have uh, uh, does he have his company, but he also check out Adapt and Adapt Energy, his products as well, which are fantastic products. So um, definitely a, I believe, one of the gold standards right now if you're looking for configured solutions and assistance. So I just, yeah, again, yeah, he's not going to say it, so I'm going to say it for him. Um, <laughs> Now, if you want to find me and if Bespoke is more your thing, uh, <laughs> uh, you could find me uh, on Twitter at rfragosa. Uh, you can find the company Fragosa Design. Uh, but first and foremost, I would love if you'd find me here at avnation.tv in our suite of shows here with my partner, Steve. Also our other shows, AV Week, uh, Resi Week, uh, and, you know, and following our supporters as well. That, that's probably the best thing. And, uh, and we, we'd love to hear from you. So uh, that would make Uncle Richie the most happy. And now I will say, uh, I've heard Rich recently on Resi Week and I believe AV Week, but he did a great wrap up of uh, 2020 on Resi Week and that's a must listen. So you, you guys should check that out. Uh, uh, he, he definitely won the show on that one. Um, and I was uh, proud to hear him there. So uh, as Rich said, when, you know, check out, go to avnation.tv to find out more about what we're up to and, and all the other shows and check out the supporters that help to make these shows possible. But really, we want to hear from you. So reach out to us, reach out to us directly. You know how to get us, but uh, we've been trying to share the shows more on social media. You know, it'd be great if you really like what you're hearing and you want to uh, help and thank us. Uh, please leave some comments, uh, retweet, whatever that might be, whatever social media platform you prefer. So uh, we appreciate that. Uh, for me, you could reach me, Steve Greenblatt, at Steve Greenblatt on uh, all social media and my company, Control Concepts, at controlconcepts.net. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for being with us on A State of Control.